Welcome to the Empowering Research for Educators podcast. I'm Tony Durr. And I'm Patrick Hills. We're both professors at South Dakota State University. This is the official podcast of the Empowering Research for Educators journal, a South Dakota State University publication. You can find the journal at openprairie.sdstate.edu slash ERE or by Googling Empowering Research for Educators. On this podcast, we discuss focused research topics and then relate that research to practical ideas for teachers. Our topic for this episode is mindset. To begin to understand mindset, a good place to start is to go back to Carol Dweck's original research on the topic. And she, her landmark study was designed around a, a specific experiment in which she gave kids puzzles to solve. These were fairly easy puzzles to figure out. Kids arranged shapes into specific pictures. And when she gave these kids puzzles to solve, she provided one group of students feedback according to their intelligence, and the other group of students, she gave them feedback based on their effort. So for example, group A solved a puzzle, and the experimenter said, wow, you did really good at this. You must be so smart at these kinds of puzzles. Great job. And then for group B, the experimenter gave different feedback. Wow, you did great on this puzzle. You must have really worked hard. You must have put a lot of effort in. Next, both of the groups of students were given a choice of which puzzles they wanted to attempt. Did they want more easy puzzles or did they want hard puzzles that would challenge them? Group A, which was praised for their intelligence, 67% of those kids wanted easy puzzles. Group B, which was praised for their effort, 92% of those kids wanted hard puzzles. They were, they were much more likely to want to challenge themselves. Then in the next stage of this study, kids from both groups were given much more difficult puzzles. And what the experimenters noticed was that group A, that was praised for their intelligence, quickly became frustrated. They really, they gave up. They put very little effort and energy into trying to figure out those hard, harder puzzles. While group B, that was praised for their effort, was much more likely to spend more time on the puzzles, to work harder. And they actually even reported liking the task much more. So, and that really resonates with me because as a teacher, it seems that's like gold. When you get a student that, that works harder, enjoys the task, and just naturally puts in more effort for a task. So, so what resonates with you when you hear these results? Well, to me, I'm, what I'm hearing and, you know, growth mindset is something that's thrown around a lot. Um, but as I'm hearing some of this initial study stuff, what it really goes back to is, you know, when you're having a conversation with students and you're trying to draw something out of them, your words matter, your language matters. The way you talk to them has a profound effect on um, the sort of results that you get out of them. Um, that's especially interesting, the piece there comparing intelligence and effort. Um, you know, so often we want to tell students that, you know, they're smart and it's easier to praise the students that are just knocking it out of the park with whatever assumption. We have to remember that students not being all necessarily at the same place, uh, students having different value systems coming from different backgrounds, really valuing and, and, and recognizing the fact that they're making an effort towards that progress base, which is where that growth mindset eventually leads us, is, is sort of an essential value that we have to, to remember as teachers. It's easy to set by the wayside. Yeah, I think... What really gets me with this is it's so simple, right? I mean, the experiment was 
the only difference was the feedback given. One group, the students had the same puzzles, but one group was told, wow, you're, you're so smart. And the other group was told, wow, you must have worked hard. I mean, it's a, it's a very subtle thing as you talk about language. It's a very subtle difference, but that difference really matters. I mean, that, that literally is the only difference in the experiment, yet some kids really frustrated when they're challenged, really give up quickly, where other kids will persist through that. And that, I mean, anyone that's taught in a classroom knows that that persistence is so valuable. I mean, all day long, teachers are trying to get students to do things that they haven't done before or they're not comfortable with or new skills or new knowledge. And to push them through that, to persist through that, where through that feeling when students are, I'm confused, I don't know, I don't know what to do with this, I don't understand this, but to persist through that is difficult. So anything that helps a student go through that wall is incredibly valuable. And I think the boat gets missed sometimes, um, focusing too much on results and not necessarily the journey to get there. I mean, so if the student doesn't pass the test or doesn't do as well in the project as you had hoped, but if you can track across the way that there's they're not doing poorly because as a result of their effort effort they're doing poorly as a result of you know some other mitigating factors that's a big difference so not treating everything in you know black and white terms necessarily it adds a whole nother layer and dimension to the art of teaching yeah and i mean dweck herself differentiates these in terms of growth mindset versus fixed mindset right so so students that have this growth mindset just like it sounds have this belief that they can grow and improve. Maybe I'm a terrible artist and my drawing skills are poor, but I believe that I could get better. Maybe I'm never going to be a professional artist, but I believe I could improve at this. That would be a growth mindset where someone with a fixed mindset just believes that they have certain talents and skills and that's fixed and that's how they were born. In the, in the case of my drawing example, someone with a fixed mindset might believe I'm no good at art. I'm never going to be good. It doesn't matter how much time I put in. I'm not going to improve at this. And that, that difference, a student that thinks I can get better versus a student that's like, I have talents and skills. You know, if it, if it is a talent of mine, great. If it's not a talent of mine, I might as well not even put forth effort. And what I really like about this is that it, it builds a little bit off of... Um some of the work of like Al Bandura, Dale Shunk with self-efficacy. And self-efficacy a lot of the time was very, very student focused. But what I like about growth mindset is that it expands out to teacher teachers as well. That are the, Again, that language that we use, um, it is something that you can build up in students. And so it's not just something that students have or don't have. It's a progress thing, but it's also something that the teacher has an impact on. Whereas sometimes you know, some people when they talk about self-efficacy or some of the research studies that are done in self-efficacy tend to be very much of like a, a fixed mindset, a, a fixed skill that you either have or you yeah. don't, or you have a certain you level. Like it's have a have this confidence or you're lacking it. Right. Yeah. It's a natural resource that, you know, it's, it's, it's finite. Yeah. The, and to go back to what we said before, this is teachers have so much control and it's so simple, right? Just, wow, you're smart, you're talented versus you know, gosh, you, you just must have thought about this. You must have put time in it. It's, it sounds so simple, but when kids hear that over and over and over again, all the time in their classrooms, it really is powerful. If, if all day long you hear from your teacher and from all your teachers that, that things that reinforce that time, that energy, that effort, that, I mean, the key is that those are all controllable things. A student can put in more energy. They can 
dedicate more thought to it. They, they can control those things where things they cannot control, just an innate talent, just, oh, wow, you're, you're, an, you're an amazing artist. You're, you're so good at math. Like They really can't control those things, but they can control those effort-based things. And to go back to Carol Dweck's original work, this is maybe one of the more powerful points, is, is her experiment ended with one final step. And all kids were given the same, the same puzzles. They were moderate difficult. They weren't really hard. They weren't really easy. They're just in the, in the middle. And group A, the kids that were praised for their intelligence, did much worse. Like their, their performance throughout working on these puzzles decreased where kids that were praised for their effort when they were given the moderate difficult puzzles, their ability to solve them increased, which which is, again, so profound as we've been talking about. But kids do better, right? When they have a growth mindset, they perform better. If you are focused on, on ultimately performance and kids doing better, this type of, of thinking is going to get you positive results. And to give a little more specificity to, to it, I guess, you know, to, you know, to think about some examples, right? So, so teachers think about how to frame what they're saying. So, you know, for example, if you're telling a student, oh, wow, this picture is so beautiful. Well, of course, that's nice. A student might like to hear that, but a much better, a much more growth mindset way to say that might be something like, wow, this is really interesting. You know, tell me why you place this tree next to the water or, or why did you use these colors? Or, you know, ask them questions and open up a dialogue. You know, we're in the context of math instead of saying, oh, wow, you're so good at this. You're so talented. You must you must be good at math. Say something more along the lines of, wow, it seems like you really like these problems. It seems like you really got into solving this. Um, and th this type of feedback, I think, again, it's not a huge point, but as we keep talking about, it is so powerful over time when you keep giving this type of feedback. And, you know, sometimes I think teachers fall into that trap of, you know, I need to say something. You know, a student shows me work, they give me something, I've got to respond. I have to give you some kind of evaluation. And I think sometimes teachers don't need to do that. Like maybe the best thing is is not to say anything, just to listen, right? In the context of a picture that I mentioned before, if a student brings up a picture and is excited to share it with the teacher, maybe you don't need to evaluate it or give them information. You can just listen. The, the student's excited. They're proud of it. That's why they want to share it with you. So just listen to what they have to say about it. So, you know, and to put this into context a little bit, Ed Week in 2016 did a, a survey of about 700 teachers across the U.S. And 98% said they saw a value in growth mindset. When they, when they were posed with the information about growth mindset, they said, oh, yeah, sure, that's something we'd love to do. However... Only 20% said they strongly believed they would be good at fostering a growth mindset on a daily basis. So that poses a sort of substantial gap there on what do we do with that. Um, we all like the idea of it, but just like with many things in teaching, what the research says, we like the idea of it, but then how do we put it into practice? Yeah, because you, you do have to think about it, right? You can't... It, the quick response with students is, oh, good job. Oh, wow, this is great. Oh, you're smart. I mean, that's sort of the, the reflex response. It does take a little, a half a second. It does take a, co a cognitive switch to, to change that to, oh, you must have spent some time on this or asking a more thoughtful question. And more weeks ago, in that same study, uh, one in five said they had already integrated some growth mindset practices into their classroom. But that's 
that's stark considering 98% of them said they wanted to and uh, 85% said they wanted more professional development on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's that stark gap. So it does take thinking practices, but just more support's got to be in place for something that people are excited about trying out in the classroom. Yeah. The, and it is gr- gaining in popularity, right? I mean, the studies you mentioned, people are definitely talking about this more. It's I definitely hear about it a lot more in schools, which is really great. So that, that's probably a good place to wrap this, this episode up. We want to thank you all for listening. My name again is Tony Durr, and if you want to reach me, my email address is tony.durr, D-U-R-R, at sdstate.edu. And I'm Patrick Hales. Uh, if you want to reach me, uh, you can reach me at uh, patrick.hales at sdstate.edu. Uh, again, uh, this is the Empowering Research for Educators podcast uh, affiliated with the Empowering Research for Educators Journal, a South Dakota State University publication. You can reach our journal and this podcast at openprairie.ststate.edu slash ERE or by Googling Empowering Research for Educators.